Welcome to the Clovercrest Baptist Church podcast. For more information about Clovercrest Baptist Church, go to clovercrest.com.au. Both in the room and online. I wonder if you can help me by finishing some of these common sayings. I wonder if you know what they are. Ready? Fit as a fiddle. Nice. Well done. Good start. Sharp as a tack. You are the apple of my eye. Nice. Thanks. I'll take that. You are skating on thin ice. Laughter is the best. Look at that. Well done, guys. I'm impressed. Maybe some online, if you jumped in the chat, who knows how you did with that. But those are all metaphors and similes. They're all things that we use to say something is comparison, is like something or is something, to actually create a picture and an illustration. And that's what we see in the Bible when we look at the parables. We see that Jesus uses metaphors and similes to create a picture or an illustration. As Mike just mentioned, we are starting a new four-week series. We're going to sit in different parables, stories that Jesus told to teach and help us understand something. Now, there's actually three different types of parables. The word for parable means riddle or proverb. And there's three different types. There's a parabolic saying, things like, you are the salt of the earth. There's a, a parabolic simile where there's a comparison. The kingdom of God is like treasure. And there's also a narrative parable that we find, a fully blown story like the Good Samaritan where Jesus uses a whole story to communicate something. In fact, Jesus wasn't unique in using parables. In the Greco-Roman culture of the day, the rabbis, they would use parables to teach and illustrate ideas. But Jesus' parables, they were unique in the fact that they were so vivid and he had such a variety and he was an exceptional storyteller. Jesus used his parables to, parables to create intrigue, to get people to lean in and listen. He used them to disarm, to help people let their guard down and, and listen to what he was saying. But he also used them sometimes to shock and confront. He used them also to conceal truth. So there's different ways Jesus used parables. And today we're going to look at the parable of the mustard seed and ask the question, what would God have us learn? So I'm going to read from Matthew 13, but it's also found in Mark 4 and Luke 13. It says here, Jesus, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it's the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. Now, the mustard seed... I don't know if you can see it. Maybe kids down the front, you can see it. Here, I have this tiny, tiny seed. This is what a mustard seed looks like. It's an absolute tiny seed. In fact, it was the smallest seed known in Palestine at that time. But whilst it's a tiny seed, it grows into a massive tree. You'll see it in a picture on the screen. This idea that a tiny, tiny seed grows into something huge. And what Jesus is speaking about here is that the kingdom of God starts small. He's saying the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It starts small, but it's going to grow into something huge and big and beyond. And this idea of it starting small was actually contrast to what the people of the day were wanting and assuming would happen. They thought the kingdom of God, that God would come in, Jesus would be here with an army and power and might be impressive and huge, 
But Jesus is actually saying the kingdom of God, it starts small. See, if we look at Jesus' life, a baby born in a manger, pretty insignificant. A son of a carpenter started small, nothing grand and amazing about that. And as he grew on this earth and he started to have followers, he just had a few people to start with, fishermen of all people, people that came along and followed him, small, insignificant beginnings. And then in time, when Jesus died and rose again and left this earth, those that were left, 11 disciples, to continue the kingdom of God, to continue what Jesus had done. See, what we see in this is that the kingdom of God, it started small, just like a tiny mustard seed, a baby born in a stable. But it grew and grew, and it continues to grow today, where we have over 2.2 billion followers of Jesus worldwide. And it's going to keep growing because one day we will have the new heaven and the new earth where we can all worship him. And we can sing loud and proud there. Nobody will hold us back. As much singing as we want, the kingdom of God, this mustard tree, is going to continue to grow. But Jesus says that it starts small. And I want us to hear and notice today that small things matter. Small things matter. All right, I want you to take a breath. Everybody, take a breath. Yeah? It's pretty small, yeah? Okay, now what I want you to do is hold your breath. Ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. Like I can only do it so long before I'm going to pass out, and that would be awkward. But you get the idea. A breath is something, it's pretty small, yeah? But without it, we notice we're stuffed without our breath. It's something small, but we need it. It makes a big difference. The average person breathes over 23,000 times in a 24-hour period. It's small, but it's significant. Small things matter. Small things matter to God. And the problem sometimes we overlook the small. Maybe in people around us, we think they don't matter. Maybe in the decisions we make, we overlook the small and think, it doesn't matter, I can get away with that. It's not important. But actually, small things matter, both in who we are and and the choices we make, what we do and how we behave. See, Jesus himself spoke value into the small. He was someone who cared and valued those that would have been considered small and insignificant. Jesus valued kids. Jesus spent time telling children they mattered, they were valued. Jesus cared for those on the margins, the sick, the poor, those that others might have overlooked and said small, insignificant, don't matter. In fact, Jesus showed us the complete opposite. He embraced and cared for those that could have been overlooked. See, Jesus' plan always was and always has been to value the small. He has value and worth for things that maybe we don't notice. I encourage our kids. We've got our kids with us in the room today and kids online. Kids, you're smaller than me. You matter. I want you to hear that you matter. Jesus actually says you matter, you're important. And you matter for the kingdom of God now, but the dreams and the desires that he puts in your heart, the skills he's given you that he's going to use, he's going to grow because you matter. 
I recently came across an article about a boy who was five and did something really significant. I don't know, do we have anyone that's five here today? Around about the age of five? Clearly, I'm not five. However, this boy that I read about, he was only a five-year-old boy, and he decided to do something that made a huge difference. A year earlier, when he was four, he was asking his dad about homelessness. What is homelessness? And his dad tried to explain to him what it's like for people doing it tough, that don't have a home and don't have the things that maybe we take for granted. And he kept asking his dad, wanting to know more and understand, what did it mean? Anyway, when he hit five, his dad decided to take him to actually see the homeless people in their city. He took his son and allowed him to see what it actually meant to be doing it tough and not have a home. And this boy came home at the age of five and he said, I'm going to do something and make a difference. And so he went into his dress-ups and found his superhero cape. And he put his superhero cape on. And I know our Kiloby kids, you've been learning about superheroes. And this five-year-old boy put his superhero cape on. He said to his dad, we can take food to the homeless. I can be a superhero and we can do something. And so this boy and his dad started every week, week in, week out, taking food to the homeless. And they made a huge difference to those people, but actually it grew. And what happened was some NBA basketballs, LeBron James and others, found out about this, and they used their power and influence and their fame to actually push what was happening and, happening and help others hear and know and put resources towards it. And now two years on, over 12 different cities in this area of America are providing food to the homeless because a five-year-old boy said, I'm going to do something and make a difference. Small matters, you guys matter. The small decisions, the things we do, it matters. See, God uses the small both in who we are and in what we do. He uses the small in who we are, in our character. The, the choices we make matter. The things that we notice, the things that we invest in, it matters. What are the small things that maybe God is prompting you in? What are the small choices that are really actually significant? What are the things we can choose to do in how we treat others, how we speak of others, how we behave, what we do for others? What's the small act of kindness we can do that can make a huge difference? What's the small dream God has planted in you? Mike's been talking about our God-sized dream and what as a church we believe God is saying, but God is speaking to all of us. We are all his church family. I want to ask today, what's that dream that God's been putting in you, that he's planted in you, maybe like a tiny mustard seed, and he's actually wanting to grow it? What does it look like to listen and notice the voice of God and obey and step out and be challenged to follow and obey him in that. See, because the thing is, it's actually not about us. He does the growing. It's not about us manufacturing and making it happen, but he does the growing. See, this, this little mustard seed doesn't go, okay, if I think hard enough, I'll become a tree. It doesn't do the growing. Yeah, it needs soil and water and light. It needs God to grow it into a tree. And just the same for us. We don't get to go, okay, I'm going to be amazing at this and make it all happen. We need God to grow us. We need God to use us. A bit like this popcorn I have here. Here's something I have under my little uh, black thing here. How exciting is this? We've got a microwave in church today. We can't sing, but we can have a microwave. 
How cool is that? All right. So, just like the mustard seed needs God to grow it, popcorn, yeah? The popcorn doesn't just pop itself. I can't make it happen. What does it need? Heat microwave. You guys are right. Absolutely. We need the microwave to do its work. So let's just chuck this in here. Something small, but it can do something because the microwave is doing something. The corn starts so small, but as it pops and grows, it gets bigger and better, and we can all enjoy it. But it needs the microwave to do it. The mustard seed needs God to grow it. We need God to grow us. So while that's cooking, I want to actually talk about the fact that the mustard seed idea gets mentioned again later on in Matthew. Jesus says, Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. So he was speaking to the disciples who were feeling frustrated that they couldn't get an evil spirit cast out of a young boy. And he says, it's actually not about your faith, it's about your faith in me. See, even if our faith is tiny, it's not about the strength or the ability of our faith, it's about the object of our faith. A tiny amount of faith in a great big God because he's the one that moves. He's the one that changes lives. He's the one that does it. We need to know that our faith in him is what makes the difference. He is the one growing. He is the one moving. He is the one doing the transforming. I can start to hear some popping going on here. I need a bit of a microphone to kind of capture it. But what happens is, just like in the mustard seed, something small, God does the growing. So too here, the corn, the the microwave. God is bigger and better than a microwave. But the microwave does the growing. It starts to pop. We start to get the sound and we start to see it growing. And maybe those that are in the room, you might even be lucky enough to start to smell it growing. And the kingdom of God is a bit like that. When we trust him, we start to hear. We start to notice God at work. We start to see God at work. We start to even smell the beautiful aroma of the kingdom of God and his goodness and his faithfulness. Because God is moving and growing something. And he wants to use us. You know, very soon I'm going to have a delicious bowl of popcorn. How good's that? I can smell it. Can you kids smell it? You start to smell Yes. How good is this? It's a good day to be at church. Popcorn. And it would be really, really sad, wouldn't it, if I kept all of this popcorn to myself? Yeah? It'd be really sad because there's a lot there and it's going to be yummy and I'd probably get sick. Now, sadly, in the COVID world, I'm going to have to eat all that myself. I can't share it with you. However... However, Pastor Anne, she's a legend. And so she has popcorn for you guys at the end of the service today. Because we want to say that popcorn, it grows, it's bigger, it's better, there's more to share. But just the same with the kingdom of God, hey? Let's have a look at this popcorn. Oh, my goodness. Just have a smell. Can you smell? Oh, oh my goodness. Let me see how much this popped. Started small. It grew. Yum-o. That's pretty amazing. The kingdom of God starts small. It's going to grow and it's going to impact and it's going to spread. Smells delicious. And we want to share it. Pastor Anne's going to make sure you don't miss out. For those online at home, check your pantry. Maybe you've got some. But 
Pastor Anne is going to make sure we don't miss out because there's so much to share. There's popcorn to share. And you know what? The kingdom of God is there to share. The kingdom of God is there to share. It would be so sad if we kept it all for ourselves. There is enough. There is more than enough. There is an abundance. God has an eternity for us to share with others. Because when we read this parable about the mustard seed that grows, the mustard tree that actually creates shade and shelter for the bird. And when I read this parable, I have this picture of like a family underneath and friends having a picnic, enjoying some food and, and just relaxing together, feeling safe and secure. That's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God gives us a place to belong, a place to feel safe and secure, a place where we know we have what we need. Our God is for us. So what does it look like to know that for ourselves but then also share it? Not to just keep all the popcorn just for me, but to actually share it and give it away and share God's kingdom. See, when we start to live like that, it changes our focus. It's not about me getting what I need, but it's about me serving and blessing. What does it look like for my life to be lived in a way that others feel warm and security and a place of home and a belonging? Are we living our lives so that others benefit? Such a significant question to ask. How are others benefiting from our lives? How are others feeling a sense of welcome and warmth and belonging and protection and safety and opportunity because of how I'm living my life? Because that's the kingdom of God way. That's the kingdom of God way that our lives would actually be lived in a way to benefit others. See, Jesus, his whole idea is one of generosity, not scarcity. Jesus doesn't run out. He has more than enough and abundance. In fact, when we look at some of the miracles he did, we see this abundance when he turned five loaves and two fish into enough to feed 5,000 and leftovers. He's got an abundance. He has more than enough for us to share. In fact, it's a false economy to think we have control. It's a false economy to think I can organize and get everything sorted so I've got enough. If anything, in these last week of all the changes constantly, we start to realize how little control we actually have. God is the one who is in control, not us. And Jesus speaks to this in Matthew 6. He says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, we can find ourselves thinking that we can control what we have, our material goods, our possessions, our comfort. But Jesus would say here that, you know what? It'll wear out, it'll break, it'll get lost, it'll get stolen. We actually can't control the stuff, the material things that maybe make us feel good. And he goes on in Matthew 6 to say, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. He feeds the birds. How much more as his sons and daughters will he provide for us, his children whom he loves? He has more than enough. Psalm 50 says, God says, For all the animals of the forest are mine, and I own the cattle on a thousand hills. Our God has everything. 
It is all his. He has more than enough. He's never going to run out. So are we going to live a life responding to that and living with his economy? How can we live with a kingdom of God economy? You know, we really, we've seen that. Mike shared today about the heart for the house, the generosity, the other ways that people have given and sown into God's kingdom. I actually want to celebrate, Clovey, that as a family, we are living with the kingdom of God economy. That is God at work. I get excited that the story Mike is sharing today is one of God's kingdom going beyond, that we can give to other churches. That's the kingdom of God economy. What does it look like for us not just to do it every now and then, but day in, day out, Monday through to Sunday, to live like it's there to share because the kingdom of God is there to share. And we've got a great opportunity coming out July 25 where we have our blanket appeal. So Westcare asks that we bring blankets and jackets to help those doing it tough, those that are living on the streets. What does it look like to bring our best? Not just to bring the jacket with a hole in it, but what would it look like to bring our best this year July 25, to bring our best and say, I've got more than enough. I want to share and give. What are some other ways? You know, maybe kids, you're on school holidays, rhythm changes, life groups, families. What does it look like together to consider how do we live life with a kingdom of God economy? What would it be like to pay for the petrol of the person behind you? What would it be like to make something for someone across the road, to do an act of kindness, to consider giving, making, paying, whatever it looks like? What would it be like for us today to choose to live with the kingdom of God economy, knowing that the kingdom is there to share? It's an opportunity we have to make a difference here and now as the kingdom is still growing. Because the tree is alive and it's still growing. It hasn't stopped. This mustard tree is still growing. The kingdom is actually still spreading. There's more to come. In fact, this parable that I've read is, sits in the middle of two other parables. I want to read them to you now. The first one in Matthew 13, starting verse 24, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servant came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered. Because while you're pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. And then Jesus goes into the parable of the mustard seed, and then he finishes in verse 33, saying he's told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. So here we have these three pictures of the kingdom of God showing that actually there's a bigger picture going on that involves waiting. The farmer, when he sows his seed, he has to wait while the weeds and the wheat grow together. He's waiting until the harvest time comes. The bird, and, and we're waiting to see the mustard seed go into the tree. 
And then the woman is waiting for the yeast to actually affect the dough. And we see this picture that the kingdom of God it involves waiting. There's a bigger picture. There's something more going on than necessarily what we see right now. See, God's sovereign rule over the world isn't always as straightforward as we might like. Yes, he is sovereign and he's patient. There's more going on. It involves waiting. There's a bigger picture. And sometimes we might find ourselves thinking, why doesn't he act now? Why don't I see this happen, this answer to prayer? Why isn't he stepping in and changing the circumstances? And we can find ourselves getting frustrated. But I don't know that we'd actually want it that way. See, if Jesus was to step in and act every time an evil thought or action took place and then judge it and punish accordingly, that would mean that he would step in every time I have an evil impulse and you have an evil impulse. Every time we do that, do we really want him to act every single time or, or do we just want him to act when we want? Like, could you just act here because it suits me and not here? I wonder if we were to answer that honestly, what we would say. There's a bigger picture at play that we don't necessarily know the details or understands. The farmer is waiting. The woman is waiting. The waiting is often the hardest. I wonder what are you waiting for today? What are you waiting for today that you've been praying and longing and hoping to see breakthrough and asking God to move? And maybe today he's saying there's a bigger picture. There's more that you can't see. The kingdom of God is at work. The kingdom of God, it's spreading, but it takes patience. There's a bigger picture. And sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it's uncertain. But the opportunity we have is to trust in a God who actually does see the bigger picture. To wait with Him. To learn with Him. It was, as was shared when we had that picture up earlier, this idea of waiting for Him to blow the wind in our sails. What does it look like to wait for Him to be the one that leads and guides? The kingdom of God, it's still growing. But when we wait, we get to ask Him, show me, lead me, guide me, I trust you. I recognise that's not easy. That's the picture Jesus is helping us understand today, that there's more. So what are we going to do in the waiting? We have this invitation to allow God to grow in us more, to develop the small things that matter and to live a life that is sharing the kingdom of God with others. This opportunity to step into His kingdom and say, grow me as you grow your kingdom. Let's pray.